We're starting this morning our way through the book of Ephesians. And uh, as we do that, there hopefully is going to be a theme that kind of develops over the week and, and months ahead as we stay here in the book of Ephesians. As we begin a new year, a new year is always a time for reflection, kind of a time for looking at your life, looking ahead, looking backward. I'm sure some of us are more goal-oriented than others. I'm sure some of us uh, run from goals at any chance. And, uh, but this morning, we're not going to necessarily set goals, but this morning, we're going to do a little reflection. Um, so what we're going to do is just going to reflect on some things in our lives, and basically, we're trying to look for a plumb line, see how things see how things are going. Now, I know some of you this morning, you avoid the doctor at all costs. Your wife or your spouse has been nagging you for years to go, and so the pastor's telling you this morning, go to the doctor. It's a good thing. Go to the doctor and uh, get checked. But I know when it comes to me, I've got to go to the dentist every six months, and usually the every other one is the time where they do the x-rays, and that's the appointment that I try to miss. Because, because otherwise, when you go, the dentist doesn't have any time for you. And so I love that. I like the cleaning people and cleaning people only. And it's, it's cheaper, by the way, if you only deal with the cleaning people and not the, not the dentist. But anyhow, when you go for the x-rays, what do you do? You get extra time with the dentist because he actually now has material to talk to you about. And so I try to avoid that appointment at all costs. Or if I end up at that appointment, I usually say something like the following. Well, I'm not sure if our insurance covers that, that x-ray. And so I think I want to check into it. Before I do that, I want to be able to allocate my resources for my children and my wife before myself. And so at all, at all costs, avoid those x-rays because the moment those x-rays come back, what do you have? you got honest truth to deal with. So on a lot of us run. We, we don't actually just want to sit down and say, okay, what's actually going on in my life? Give me an honest reflection of where I'm at. This morning, I just want to take a moment. What I want you to do in your note card is I want you to write down some things. First, you're, you're just going to write down some roles. Everybody that came in here this morning wears a variety of different hats. You come in here this morning as a son or a daughter. You come in here this morning as a friend. You come in here this morning as an employee. Everybody here has different roles in hats that you wear. This morning, we're going to take just a moment. We want to just grade ourselves on the different hats and roles that we have in life. So the first thing I want you to write down is, is friend. That, that's a role that all of us have, is, is friend. Just write down that hat that you wear, that role, friend. Second role that I want you to wear it down is if you're married this morning, just write down how's husband or wife. If you're not married this morning, just, just write down single. All equally valid important. Husband, wife, single. Third, this morning, write down, if you're a parent, write down father or mother. Or if you're an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent, write down that, that hat or that role that you wear. Maybe it's brother or sister for, for where you're at right now. Next, next, write, down, next write down your primary uh, vocation. Uh, what, what you do basically Monday through, through Friday, Monday through Saturday, Monday through Sunday, what's your primary vocation uh, mother, electrician, um, postal worker, whatever it might be. Just write down, write down your, your primary position. Now, now write down, next roll, write down something that, that's just kind of a hat that you wear. It might be coach. It might be coach. It might be mentor for person X. It might 
It might be um, a state watcher for family acts. Whatever hat or role you might have that's kind of outside of work and in that role of, of spouse. We all have those different roles. Maybe it's volunteer at, at Place X. Whatever that role might be. Now write down the role. We all have this role. Write down the role money manager. All of us have that hat. Now what I want you to do is just take a moment. I want you to take a moment this morning. I hope, from, think, assume most of us are familiar with the grading scale A through F, right? Some of us are more familiar with the bottom of that scale than the upper end of that scale, but we're familiar. A through F. A is great. F, not so well. Okay? I just want you to go through. Give yourself a grade in each role right now. If you identify yourself right now in these roles and say, hey, how, how am I doing right here? Just give yourself a grade. You're not going to turn this in. Don't worry. And for those of you that think this is your chance to get on the honor roll, be honest. How are you doing right now in all of those roles? Friend, spouse, job, money manager, hobby, coach. How are you doing in each of those roles? Give yourself a grade. Anybody get all A's this morning? Okay, good. I don't have to kick anybody out. You're going to dismiss anyone. I think we can all pretty much agree this morning that we're not in that place of all A's. Some of us might be an A minus here, an A there, B plus here, a C minus here, C plus there, or whatever. I think all of us could identify a role here where in 2018 we would like to be healthier or better. I think everybody here this morning would agree that maybe you want to be a better spouse, you want to be a better parent, you want to be a better friend. This isn't just true here. This is true in the world around us, right? Just go to Barnes & Noble. If, if we don't want to be better in these roles, Barnes & Noble won't have books for sale about these things. Just go on and type in Google how to be a better coach, right? It, it's written about why. Because people want to be a better coach. We want to be better. We want, in a sense, have the highest performance possible. That's a good thing, right? We want to we do our best. But this morning's message is not how to take you from a C- minus to an A- plus in whatever role or hat. But my prayer is that over the next eight, six, eight, nine weeks, what would happen as we reflect upon the book of Ephesians, our grades would begin to raise. Not necessarily maybe because we're talking about each role each and every week, but something's happening in us and through us and to us that affects us in each of those roles. You see, each hat that you mentioned this morning, each role, are not independent of each other. And not only that, but each role or each hat that you wear is not independent of God. This is the number one lie of the enemy. The enemy wants you to believe that certain hats and roles are independent of God. Then a way it's phrased is like this. 
well, your faith shouldn't influence that at all. That, that's just subtle language for what? That's completely independent of God. Another way it gets phrased is kind of like this. Well, the Bible doesn't talk about it at all, so God must not be interested. So, see, your faith should influence that. Again, trying to sell you that it's independent of God, when in reality, nothing is independent of God. This morning, as we look at each of those and consider those roles, we're going to take a step above that. Why? Because you enter each of those roles as a person. When we made that list, we should have started that list with these two word, three words, as a Christian. As a Christian. Did that change your grade this morning? As a Christian friend. As a Christian husband. As a Christian teacher. As a Christian money manager. Because you don't enter any, any of those roles if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning and you're not a Christian in that role. It's not like you go and you coach and it's kind of like God's like, well, you're not a Christian for the next two and a half hours, so don't worry about it. You come into that as a Christian. And so if we're going to be a healthy coach, a healthy spouse, do you know where it begins? It begins where? Being a healthy Christian. And so we don't focus this morning on those roles. We go one level above and say, we've got to turn our focus first and foremost upward, not inward. See, most self-help starts here, looking inward. Most counseling starts here. It looks inward. There's a serious problem with that because it assumes that the answer is inside. When in reality, the Bible teaches something vastly different. So we don't start looking inward this morning. We start looking upward. And so you might be thinking, Ephesians here, and we get into the first chapter, you're like, what does this have to do with those roles? It has everything to do with those roles. So we're going to read here. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Ephesians 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The word of the Lord. 
the book of Ephesians opens up with kind of saying, hey, this is the Apostle Paul, hello. That's the very first, what we get there, verses 1 through 2, very basic. Hi, Paul, this is Paul, I'm writing to you faithful who are in Christ Jesus. And then it goes right in to one sentence. So what you see here, you see verses 3 through 14. This is actually one sentence in the original language of the Bible. And this is just like a, a big burp, just like a, a big blurt out of whatever, this whole thing. I mean, we've got commas and, and periods in here in a sense, but in the original Greek, it's just one long declarative phrase. The author is basically starting the letter by saying, hey, I'm writing to you, praise be to God. That's it. Just this. That's where verse 3 says, blessed be. In other words, it's supposed to be, praise be to the name of God. May the name of God be blessed above all else. For da 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 It's just this big burp of praise to God. Here's, here's how one commentator, F.F. Bruce, comments on this sentence, who's studied the Greek, all this stuff, says this. This is the most monstrous sentence conglomeration that I have ever found in the Greek language. The most monstrous sentence conglomeration that I've ever found in the Greek language. I'm going to try and take that monstrous sentence conglomeration and break it down for you into extreme simplicity this morning. Because in this one extreme sentence, the Apostle Paul goes to the depths. The depths of some of the greatest things taught in the Bible. The depths of some of the hardest things to understand. I get done reading this, and I'm kind of like, to be honest, well, God, you should have thought this one through a little bit. Uh, don't you think you should have attached an addendum, God? Because this one sentence right here has caused possibly more controversy than anything else in the church world. There's churches in this town that are named Reformed, churches in this town that are named Baptist, Churches in this town that are named Lutheran, and a lot of it comes back to this one sentence. And so some of you are nervous right now. This is full. It's packed full of glorious truths. Here's the amazing thing we have to know going into it. God didn't care. God didn't design it for you to understand it and for you to agree with it. God didn't care, nor did God design it for you to agree with it. That's where it all starts, right there. And if you disagree with that foundational principle, here's where you're at. You're at a place that says this. You're only going to believe in a God whom you can agree with. And if you can only believe in a God whom you can agree with, you're very simply saying this. You can only believe in a God whom you can create. Because if you have to agree with God on everything or God has to agree with you on everything, what does that do? It puts you equal with God. So God just revealed this sentence, spoke through the Apostle Paul, because he's not interested in getting our agreement. God isn't interested in us understanding it all. He's interested in us turning our focus and attention to him alone. And that's exactly what this sentence does. This sentence does three things. This sentence us, reminds us that the origin of every blessing is from God. This sentence reminds us that the source of every blessing 
is through God. This sentence in of things reminds us that the goal of all things is God. So right here, God says, I'm the origin, I'm the source, I'm the goal. Let's break these three things down, origin, source, and goal. It begins right here. At the beginning, jump with me, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Take a deep breath. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption. Let, let me break this down very simply. What he's saying is that before the world was created, God made a choice in his mind of what was going to happen. This, the word predestined, right, just grammatically, can't argue with the grammar of it, means beforehand God made a choice. Here, here's why this is so important, so important. It's beforehand, and it's emphasized because then what? It's not based upon any merit of ours at all. At all. Some will try to read the verse this way. They'll say, well, God predestined our chose because he knew what was going to happen. The word just doesn't mean that. If he wanted to say that, he very well could have said that. The word predestined means to make a choice before. So God made a choice beforehand, before the world was created. He is the origin of your salvation. If you're saved this morning, it's not because of what you did. It's because of what God did. God saved you. He made the choice. Now, there's a ton of mystery in this. Some of you are getting really uncomfortable right now, right? So let me help you with that uncomfortableness right now. And two things. First is this. The highest value in our society is freedom. Would you agree with that? The highest value in our society is freedom. And so I want to be careful this morning how I talk about this, right? Because blood has been shed for freedom. But this is critically important. The freedom of which is the highest value in our society is not the freedom of which the scriptures speak about. The freedom of the highest value in our society is political freedom, and it's a great thing. Hear nothing else this morning than that I am extremely grateful, give my life tomorrow for political freedom. It's awesome. It's amazing. It's a very good thing. God has blessed us with it, and God has used that political freedom to do great things around the world. Political freedom is vastly different, vastly different than freedom of Morality, freedom of salvation. You've got to distinguish those two things right off the bat. And so we are free. You, you can go vote for whoever you want. You have complete political freedom. Then the other thing comes into play. Well, so we don't have any responsibility. What's going on here? We're just robots? Not robots at all. Let's jump down here a little bit further. Go down to verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So you read verse 13, check out. what it, It's describing what? It's describing activity that we did. We are the ones that heard the good news that was preached to us. 
we were the ones that believed. And so there's this activity that humanity does, or humanity responds, however you want to describe that. There's this level of responsibility. You can't deny it, right? You made a conscious choice this morning to come here and listen to the goofball up front. You made that decision. Right? That wasn't planned 4,000 years ago that you would drive to King of Glory this morning. Da, 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 da. You made a conscious choice. That's on you. So there's this amazing mystery that's at work here. Is that God did something, decided something before creation, yet there's this level of human responsibility. So when we're talking about the sovereignty of God and God choosing and predestining, two things to remember. Number one, we're not talking about political freedom. Number two is that it does not remove personal responsibility. Now, some of you, legal minds, are beginning to think he is logically contradicting himself back, forth, every which way this morning. Yes, I am. Because guess who else contradicts themselves? God. Have you read the Bible lately? Logically, it does not work. It, it, there's logical scientific things in there that do not work. That we came this morning to sing a song, the first song we sang this morning, Jesus. Okay, logically, we're singing about someone who was born from a virgin. Okay, I don't think I need to go in detail this morning, do I? Are we all in agreement? It doesn't work. Okay, so if logic is God, guess what? We're done here, dismissed. God is outside of logic. It doesn't have to make sense to us. There's this amazing mystery. However, what does have to happen is this, acknowledgement of God as the origin. This is Apostle Paul's doing. He's saying he's reminding us, hey, hey, give God praise. That's why it says in the Old Testament, different prophets say, hey, who are you to boast? You've got nothing to boast in. It was God who did it. Because then God gets the glory. Now, from a human perspective, sometimes it appears as though we chose God. But oftentimes, what I've seen is that over periods of maturity, what happens is after reflection and understanding, people come back and say, wow, I'm thankful for God's faithfulness. I'm thankful that God initiated that God chose. Again, there's a ton of mystery here, and I'm not going to answer all the questions this morning about this whole issue of predestination and being chosen. Here's what's non-debatable, is that God is the origin. That God started it, God initiated it, God made the plan. And his plan was this, is that we come to salvation through Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the plan. Notice, that's critical to understand here. We're going to disagree maybe this morning on how predestination works, but we can't disagree on this. The plan for what God chose. So verse 5, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ. So God planned from the very beginning that the only way you and I would have access, the only way you and I would have an inheritance, the only way we would have a status is through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the plan that God made. It's not like God got to the middle of the prophets and was like, oh boy, this is not working out really well with the nation Israel. No, that was the plan. God's plan was to use the nation Israel to bring Jesus into the world because then through Jesus, we become sons and daughters of God. That was the plan that was determined before you had anything, you were even a concept. 
God chose us. This morning, if you're struggling with just self-esteem, take your pen, take your marker, take blood from your finger, and in verse 4, underline, circle, He chose us. This shouldn't bring you confusion. This shouldn't bring you anger. This should bring you rest. You've been chosen by the most powerful entity in the universe, God himself. Don't be mad about it. Be thankful for it. And if you're, thank if you're wondering this morning, well, was my neighbor chosen? Well, go tell your neighbor about this God and leave the rest up to God. Take gratitude this morning. You've been chosen by God. That's amazing. That's amazing. The origin of everything is in God. The focus of this whole praise is not on logic, but it's on what? Putting our focus back on God. And so this whole, just this weird sentence we have here, it's not, the Apostle Paul wasn't like, I want to help them understand predestination in this letter. <laughs> not at all. He's like, what? I just want to declare the greatness of God. And I want to turn their focus back to God. So number one is the origin. Everything begins with God. Number two, I, I hope you see this, the source, that God is the source of everything. Take a pen right now and just start. You don't have time to even finish. Underline every time it says in Christ or in Him. Eleven times in one sentence. Eleven times in one sentence, He reminds us that, you know what? Every blessing comes from what? Jesus. Look at this. In Him, we have the redemption through His blood. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance. In Him, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. In other words, it's saying very simply this. Through Jesus, you have these blessings. The source of your inheritance, the resurrection, the source of your hope is Jesus. The source of you receiving the Holy Spirit, the presence of God with you today, is through Jesus. Eleven times in Him, in Christ. You're united to Jesus. Jesus is the source of everything. And so this morning when we're talking about roles and the different hats that you wear, guess what? You're a teacher in Christ. Because if you're saved today, you're in Christ. That's how you got to think of your life from this point forward is, today I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ, I'm also in the world at the exact same time, two-dimensional living. And guess what? If it's just one-dimensional in this world, you're missing out on all the blessings. Why? Because all of the blessings are in Jesus. Look, look with me here. Look with me down to verse 9 and 10. Kind of going back again to the plan of God. He says, making known to us the mystery of his will, God's will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. What, what he's saying here is he's, he's reminding us that, hey, God had a plan from the beginning of time, and there's been this mysterious plan that we've not understood. But guess what? The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, the mystery of that has now been made known. That that plan has come to fruition through Jesus. In other words, all of God's plan, all of God's blessing comes what? Through Christ. Because Christ is the fullness 
of God's plan, God's plan, God the Father's plan, was to send His Son, Jesus, and everything would be accomplished through Him. And so this morning, if you're struggling for joy, if you're struggling for joy, the place to look is, is not inside yourself. If you're struggling for joy this morning, the place to look is not your circumstances, because both of those are going to change within the next three hours. Guarantee it. The place to look is the source, Jesus himself. Because Jesus is the source of everything. That's why it says in Philippians 3, what? Rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't say rejoice, things are going to go well. No, rejoice in the Lord. Always, and again, I say it again, rejoice in the Lord. Our union of Jesus is the source of everything. God is the origin of God is the source. And finally, God is the goal. Look with me really quickly, verses 6, 12, and 14. 6, 12, and 14. Remember, this is all one sentence. So in one sense, we've almost got this pause button of where he brings it back to the purpose. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 12. So that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Verse 14, to the praise of his glory. Each of those sentences that I just, each not sentences, each of those phrases that I just read comes at the end of a phrase where the Apostle Paul was teaching something about what God had done. And so each of those phrases is the end saying, hey, what I just taught you about God's predestination, what I just taught you about Jesus being the fullness of everything, what I just taught you about the inheritance, guess what? All of that is done for what? so that God would be praised. The goal of everything is God's glory. I hope you're hearing this theme. I, ho I hope you're catching this by now at King of Glory. We exist for God's glory. The aim of our life is to bring God glory in everything. Why did God make a plan? To the praise of His glory, so that He would be praised and that His magnificence would be seen. God is the origin. It was him who initiated. God is the source through which we get everything. God himself is the goal. Some of you are thinking this morning, wow, kind of all about God, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, it actually is all about God. It isn't about me today. It isn't about you today. This is a good thing. Because you and I are frail. Can you imagine if it was about us? Can you imagine if it was about getting us glory and praise? The stuff we would do? The stuff that we do do? The stuff that humans do do to get that? It's all about God and look how he orchestrated it. He did it by not just overwhelming with force. He did it by overwhelming with love through the cross. No other being, no other entity would get glory that way. It's all about God. And so this morning, as you're thinking about yourself as a husband or wife, you're thinking about yourself as a mom or a dad, a grandma or grandpa, aunt, uncle, brother, sister, you're thinking about yourself as an engineer, you're thinking about yourself as a postal worker, a bank worker, a grocery teller, you're thinking about yourself as that, you know where you need to think first? You need to think about God. It begins with God. In Christ, you are a grocery teller. In Christ, you are a teacher. 
you represent God in all of that. You want to improve yourself in those roles? Begin to be thinking of yourself first and foremost as a Christian in those roles. So how does all of this, let's break it down really simply today. How does this one sentence impact today? What's it for today? Impact today. Three things really quickly. What's it for today? First is this. We have a completely different perspective. If you, if you take these truths, God is the origin, source, and the goal, we've got a different perspective. The perspective is this. It's not all about me. The perspective is this. There's something else going on in the world besides what I can touch and feel. This is a big deal. Big deal. Whenever I'm doing any counseling of any sort, any counseling of any sort, here's the challenge. Most of us go to a counselor, we want a quick fix, right? And some counselors identify something, so they'll go to something really practical. And they'll say, well, you need to do X and Y differently. Guess what? Those counselors have a ton of return business. I guarantee it. You want to know why? Because they don't get to the root of the issue. Because they're dealing with what they can see and touch. They don't realize there's something else going on. In your marriage right now, there's something else going on. There's a spiritual element to everything. The greatest, the next uh, great lie of the enemy is this. Again, is what? Your faith doesn't apply here. It's convincing you that there's nothing else going on. No, there's something else going on. So you've got to deal with that something else. So we have a different perspective. So this, this helps a lot. You've got to struggle right now with a coworker. You're just, man, a coworker's a jerk. <laughs> coworker, just, you know, whatever. So you can sometimes, what, treat that coworker really, really poorly as a result. See, you've got a different perspective. You understand there's something else going on in that coworker's life. There's something spiritually missing. Now, that doesn't mean you go up to your coworker and be like, well, uh, I'm not going to be a jerk to you because I realize that you're not spiritually as healthy as you should. And you don't realize the activity of the spirit world going on around you. But you do realize what? There's something else going on in and around them. So it changes how you think about them and how you treat them. Because you realize there's other forces at work. This is the perspective of Christianity. There's other forces at work. We've got a different perspective. Number one, get ready to be uncomfortable because we have a different perspective. Number two is this. If this is true, what we read and talked about this morning, healthy spirituality begins outside of us. If I want to be healthy spiritually, it begins not by looking inward. It begins by looking where? God is the origin, and it begins by looking to what? The gift of the Holy Spirit given to me. Now, what's going on in our country today is really interesting. Religion is dying, right? For the most part, religion, traditional religion is dying. Church attendance is down everywhere. But in the middle of religion dying, spirituality is supposedly on the uptick, right? I mean, Oprah's spiritual now. The View ladies are spiritual now. What? And so you might be wondering, well, if we're so spiritual now, why, why is going on what's going on? Here's the difference you have to understand. The spirituality that's popular is still dependent upon us. What's inside of us? What am I capable of doing? Christian spirituality is about a spirit outside of us changing the spirit within us, the Holy Spirit. But we don't want anything to do with that. Why? Because we don't have control then. And it's a little bit goofy to be like, 
hey, there's someone outside of me that's influencing what's inside of me. But this is Christianity Basics 101. Healthy spirituality begins by looking outside of ourselves. This morning, I want to encourage you really practically on this. Some of you need to see a counselor. I don't say this lighthearted at all. I've seen a counselor. I've got, I mean, right now I've got a pastor who's had all the counseling classes. We have lunch together every single week, right? I I consider him a counselor. Some of you need to go see a counselor. And this is the number one thing right here to look for. When you go see a counselor, do they point you to something objective revealed in the Bible? Or do they spend all the time trying to dig out something from in you or in your past? This is it right here. This is where the rubber meets the road. Now, I'm not saying you need to go to counselor and you need to have the Bible on the table. That's not what I'm saying. You can talk truth of the Bible without the Bible. We can talk about that another day. But is it all introspection or is it all check out this and how does this change now what's happened in your past and what's going on in you right now? Just going to leave that right there. Uh, healthy spirituality begins by someone outside of us, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We need someone to point that out to us. It impacts us today by giving us a different perspective. It impacts us today by changing our perspective of spirituality. And finally, it impacts us today very simply this. You have everything. You have everything you need. Look at this. This is just awesome. I love this. I could just talk to you all day about this, but the bills are playing at noon, so i got to make it quick. Verse 11, look at this. In him we have obtained an inheritance. Folks, there's people that do nothing their whole life. Why? Because they're banking on an inheritance, right? We see this all the time by second-generation business owners. They're living off of their parents, and they think they'll have to do anything because what? they got this amazing inheritance coming. It influences what they do today. Guess what? We've got an inheritance above all other inheritance. How can it not influence today? You think you've got a nice inheritance coming? Just wait until you get that inheritance that rust and moth cannot destroy. You have everything you need. You have an inheritance, and then check this out. It doesn't stop there. The good news continues on. Look with me down. Verse 13. In him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. It's not just a future inheritance, it's a now. You've got God with you today. Right now, today, the creator of the universe is living in you and among you. You have everything you need. Therefore, when you hear the lie, you need this to be happy, you've got to fight back and you've got to fight fast. Fight fast. The moment you hear that voice, you need this to be happy, you've got to fight back and you've got to remind yourself, wow, I already have God. I already have the promise of gold. It's literally in the future. I've got the promise of eternity. <laughs> fight that lie. Fight it with everything you got. Today our perspective has changed. A healthy spirituality comes from outside of us. And we have everything. We have all of that because God is the source, God is the origin, and God is the goal. Today, when you leave here, you're a wife, you're a husband, you're a dad, you're a mom, 
You're a brother, you're a sister, you're a friend. Tomorrow, you're a teacher, you're a money counter, you're a coach. The question is, are you going to be a husband in Christ? Are you going to be a mother in Christ? You want to change those C's and B's to A's this next year? Turn your attention upward and be reminded that first and foremost, you are chosen by God and that through God, you have everything you need to the praise of his name and step into those different roles as one who has been chosen, one who has been given, one who has all that they need. Let us, over the next six to nine weeks, be refreshed in the book of Ephesians as we're reminded of who we are. And then as he reminds us of what we're supposed to do as a result of who we are, let it refresh us and turn our focus back to God alone. Today, you are in Christ. And in Christ, you have everything God planned to have. Let's pray. Almighty God, you're beyond. It doesn't even feel right speaking to you, God. You're above us, beyond us. God, we acknowledge this morning that there's so much we don't comprehend. There's so much we don't understand. And God, I acknowledge, I'm confused this morning, God. I've gone back and forth on these different issues and subjects. And, and God, I ask that you'd bring it home in our hearts now through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you'd give us the ability to trust, give us the ability to acknowledge you, and give us the ability to live in you. So God, we pray now this next week that you'd develop in us the perspective that we live in the world and in Christ. I pray that you now develop this next week a contentment, realizing that we have all that we need. And I pray, O oh Lord, that this next week you would bring health to our spiritual lives, that you would nourish us from your spirit, that you would nourish us from your word. And so we pray, God, that as we continue to study this book of Ephesians in the weeks and the months ahead, you would refresh and renew us. We offer ourselves to you, asking that you would use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.